Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. It was a great NBA season, and we're very excited to have cashed a lot of those Nuggets tickets that we were telling you about. I took a little bit of time off, but now we are going to make a little bit of a pivot. I'll have some stuff out about the NBA draft, uh, probably closer to the draft as news kind of rolls out, put it out on Twitter or whatever. Um, but I do want to talk about Major League Baseball right now. We're in the dog days of summer, and we have a very special guest. We have Stephen Keach of Roto Grinders. Stephen is the head of projections news manager at Roto Grinders. Great, great work. I talked to Steve or Stephen like on a pretty regular basis about some of our plays, you know, usually our outs, unders, and stuff like that. But uh, Stephen, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I've uh, I've consumed many a cash that episodes um, since, especially since you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. So uh, it's an honor to be on here myself now. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to have you. I mean, I think it's really cool because, you know, I always see the stuff that you do. And a lot of times we'll like bounce some ideas back off of each other because you do a, you do a lot of projections for what, regardless of the sport, whether it's NBA, MLB. Um, and, I, you know, I think that a lot of people talk about models and, you know, they have models or they do, you know, they have like some sort of formula that they have to come up with their plays. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do at Roto Grinders um, in terms of like how you put out the content or how you manage some of the models that you get to work with? Yeah. So I've been with Roto Grinders. It'll be 10 years, I think, this, uh, this coming August, I want to say. So a long time. My role there has evolved quite a bit over the course of time. Uh, when I had started there, like daily fantasy was kind of like the, the big thing people were interested in. Sports betting obviously was only legal in Vegas at that point. Still was years into the future to where that really became like um, an outlet for us. So I've worn a lot of different hats here. Uh, I started as like kind of a I mean, I I'd found Roto Grinders was really fortunate that college roommate of mine just happened to stumble upon it my <laughs> senior year. And I yeah. saw they didn't really have too, too much up at the time, just a couple pieces of written content. But when I saw it, I was like, this, this is incredible. Like, you know, it was basically legal sports betting, just like legal fantasy sports. Essentially, it seemed like you could get money on and off the sites. I'm like, this is this is unbelievable. So I remember reaching out to them just being like, I, you know, I love like what you guys are building. Like, I would love to try to get involved really in any degree that I can. I was a senior in college, had some like downtime that I could kind of dedicate to this. Um, and yeah, just kind of kicked off from there. I didn't start really working on our projection side. I want to say it's, it's maybe been like six or seven years since I've been involved with that. But toward the beginning of my time there, like there wasn't really even a thing, uh, like at the player level, like in the yeah. beginning of the DFS days, like a lot of, a lot of people weren't using player projections. Like if you had, if you had that, you had like a pretty big leg up. Yeah. Um, and obviously from where we were at the beginning of that to where we are now, two completely different things. I mean, if we were trying to, to try to use the systems we used seven, eight years ago, we would be uh, not in a good place. So yeah, you'd be like a caveman. A <laughs> so yeah it's, yeah, it's certainly grown a lot. I mean, we've, um, I'm certainly not the only one that contributes to the, I mainly deal with our NBA and MLB projections, uh, lineups, alerts, that stuff, but I'm not the only one that does that. We have a team of about yeah. five and six guys for each sport. So they take a lot of the load off of me. Um, and I'm not generally like too involved with building them. My expertise is more with like the upkeep um, and kind of like the manual edits that are necessary kind of each day. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty huge though. You know, like with the manual adjustments, cause I think it's a little bit more than just like, what are, what's the computer model spitting out? Like, how do I make this fit? A little bit of the eye test, but a little bit of like some weather things or like some wonky things that are going on in like the real world and making and making them mesh, which I think is you know pretty important. And Roto Grinders is obviously a huge site. Um, it's part of the Better Collective Network, which is part of you know Action Network's part of that as well. Um, when you talk about projections, and I think that that's something that people. Uh, could definitely use because like you're not it, it kind of gives you an edge like you said because at least you have something to base yourself off of here right so like with with that like what are some i know some of the tools that roto grinders has is like i know plate iq is like a super popular one um what do you do like what what exactly is the projection model like does it like how many times do you run these things to kind of get the results that you get so for baseball i generally um so tonight like looking forward to to the Wednesday slate. Sure. Um, maybe like 11 p.m. I try to kind of wait as long as I can the night before and try to have the most accurate Vegas, you know, or you know, odds information that I can before I try to run our initial numbers. 
Uh, I'll do it once the night before. I'll generally spend a good amount of time going through for each pitcher, their projected pitch count, I think is like the big thing I, I slave over the night before, making sure that's kind of, uh, we, we do a pretty good job of projecting it generally as it is, but it's hard to get to a point where you can project those things without like kind of touching anything up yourself or adjusting things. Yeah. Like if I'm way off base from the market on a particular prop, I generally start by assuming I'm wrong and kind of working backwards, like just generally the market is, is more correct than, um, you know, any projection system will be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just then at that point for a sport like baseball, it's really just a matter of when, you know, each confirmed lineup comes in, we, I generally run it, you know, each time we get a new lineup. Sometimes, you know, you'll see a flurry of like three or four lineups in a 10 minute span. I'll generally yeah. only run it once when that happens, but yeah, as you know, we project each lineup the night before. I'd say we're right on maybe like 25% of those in, in terms of like actually nailing what the lineup will be. Yeah. So generally our projections in some form or fashion are going to change based on whatever that projected lineup is. So the course of like an entire day, I might run it, uh, you know, 30, 35, 40 times. Um, Generally you the, yeah. Cause yeah. you want to get the most updated information news and like exactly. that's taking into consideration, not only the, like the lineup, but you know, like the ballpark, the weather, like things like that. Right. Yeah. Those things generally you can kind of, to a degree, uh, factor the night before obviously ballpark, you know, that that's not going to change the day or anything like yeah. that. Um, the weather can, you know, there'll be sub subtle differences in the forecast that, that might slightly, slightly change things. Um, but yeah, then it's just kind of a matter of like, you know, is this player in the lineup? Are they hitting where we thought they were going to? Um, and then just kind of, yeah, like you said, just trying to keep it as up to, up to date as possible throughout the day. That, that makes sense. So I guess like when you when you bet, like, because you're, like I mentioned before, like you're a very profitable better long term, um, especially betting, you know, player props, right? When you when you're betting, like how much do you rely on the projection versus like what you like, what you think, or is it kind of like you use them both in harmony with each other? Because I know like some people, like they bet on gut. They're just like, Oh, like I feel like this, or like they look at a line they're just like, Oh, like this guy's going to go over because of like X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you like, I sense, I guess, like aggregate all of them. I would say I'm like, I'm for the most part, very more, very much numbers based. I mean, that's generally like obviously where I'm starting. Um, yeah. But there are definitely like just different pieces of context that I think can be tough to take into account or like to quantify. Um, I feel like more with NBA, I'm generally willing to go against my numbers if I, I think there's a situation that um, I'm having a hard time factoring into projections. The sport like baseball, especially. Uh, when it comes to hitters, I think I'm generally like kind of tied to the data. Um, just there's, just, I feel like with baseball, it's just a more data-driven sport. Yeah. Uh, I think with, with basketball, like, we talk about this a lot, like different matchups can sometimes lead to different guys playing more or playing a little bit differently than they would otherwise, where in baseball, it's not really a thing. Um, so it depends a little bit on the sport, but I would say I'm 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 mainly numbers based, and I'll kind of always kind of work backward from there. I guess if that makes sense. That makes sense. So, and I think this ties into my next question pretty well, right? So when you you are obviously very numbers based, and we've had conversations obviously off air about how you know certain times like you'll go to bet a prop, and like one of the props we'll talk about this in a bit too, but we'll talk often about like eighteen and a half outs, right? And like or seventeen and a half outs or whatever it is, and we'll talk about what the number is there. So it's like somebody's, you know, minus 200 to go under 18 and a half outs. And then you'll like, you'll be like, I need like another 50, I need like another 30 cents before I can bet this because it doesn't, it doesn't work for what my model's projecting. What, when you say that, you know, are you like, could you elaborate like a little bit on what you mean by that or like how you're getting there with your projections and with the numbers? So for that example, like, you know, I generally, have for you know i always have a a particular out projection i'll have for a pitcher and then you can essentially compare that projection to the prop number and kind of find like what would your fair price be for that prop given what you're projecting um and then you know that's then that's kind of you know if you're getting a better price than that then you're, you're finding value if you're you're getting um you know a longer price then you know it might not be something that that you want to play so it's, it's really helpful, I think, especially just to be able to kind of visualize like this is instead of just looking at a, a raw projection, 
um, and being like, you know, I have this guy projected for 18 points. So, you know, I'm going to bet his over 17 and a half. It's like, that isn't necessarily true. It, it depends on what the associated juice chooses with that bet. Um, I think the, the fair price you're projecting 18 points for 17 and a half would, would be about minus 113. So if you're getting minus 105, there's a little bit of value there. If you're paying minus 145, there isn't. Um, so I think in terms of like, it's a nice thing to be able to tie in with a, a good set of projections is, is then to be able to like visualize like what, what does that projection uh, represent in terms of like a prop price? Yeah, because I think that that's important, right? Like if we're talking about implied probability, especially, um, cause that's usually how that's at least one of the things that I like to look at. And I know that's something that you're kind of mentioning here, but basically it's like, if you see a projection for somebody and they're like, Oh, like this guy's projected to have 18 points, like you said, but their prop is at 17 and a half. You're looking at this and you're like, well, like the margins are kind of thin here. I don't know if that necessarily makes sense when and then I think another thing with this is when you come out with your projections, I'm sure, you know, you kind of can see different data points, right? Like you're going to be able to see the mean, the median, and then, you know, potentially like 75th percentile, 25th percentile on those projections. Do you, do you take that information and you're like, all right, well, for this guy, you know, like it doesn't really make sense to lay the juice on like an, a 17 and a half points, I'd rather go to 20 because basically whenever he goes over 17 and a half, like the projection between 18 and 20 isn't too far off based on the way your, your system's modeling it. No. Yeah. I think that's kind of where it, it can help um, to kind of you have like a difference between using a, a median versus a mean, or like we have things that a uh, thing at Roto-Grinders with like ceiling floor and ceiling projections. Um, or a range of outcomes projections. We don't actually host that on scores and odds, like our, our sports betting arm. Um, I'm hoping that we, that we do this year. Um, but that's obviously like, you know, if you're betting an alt prop on a guy who you need to hit five three-pointers, and let's say you're projecting him for, uh, you know, his mean is, is three. But yeah. if you were to kind of plot out, you know, all of his, you know, what a median is, basically you plot out all of the data points and then you kind of find the middle of that. Um, that might be higher than his average would right. be. So yeah. maybe he's more likely to have a big game than, than a, you know, a guy. Somebody else. Right. Yeah, I think that I always think that that's like fascinating, right? Like with the way that you can look at different players and like look at their props and say like, oh, well, like this guy, like he gets like, you know, I think when you use mean, right? Like you're incorporating a lot of the, the extremes in the data points. Whereas with median, it's like, you're going directly to the middle. And especially if you have a massive sample size, you know, you're, you're a lot more in terms of like, you're probably getting a little bit less variance there. Or even if it's like a 20 game sample size, because you're not getting that like super high and super low game there. So I think that that's, I always think that's fascinating with, you know, how people decide they want to bet. And I think that it's interesting with player props, especially like, I think NBA, you're able to get, a little bit different sample because like players play for like a multitude of minutes across each game. Like there's way more possessions. Whereas with baseball, and it's one of the things I struggle with, right? Um, when I bet baseball, like I'll bet the occasional home run. Cause like who doesn't. Right. But like, I generally like to bet on pitcher props because I think batters, there's a ton of data. Right. But I always struggle with the fact that you're only maybe getting four or five at bats in a game. And there's, I think that that introduces a lot more variance. What is your thought? Like when you, like, I, I feel like you generally bet pitcher props, but how do you feel about that when like applied to major league baseball, um, you know, in terms of betting offensive or pitcher props? I think you nailed it. I mean, they're obviously, you know, when you have uh, so few chances to do something, you know, like you said, for eight or four or five potential at bats, like, the range of outcomes is all over the place. Like the, you know, the more um, possessions you have in the game, that's why, that's why generally projecting NBA is, is a little bit more straightforward. There's you know, around a hundred possessions. There's, there's a lot of time, um, you know, for, for guys to generally get to where you would expect them to be, uh, which, which isn't really the case much with baseball. I'm kind of with you. I generally am not betting a lot of offensive props. I don't think it's like a dumb thing to do. Like I, I'm, I'm sure there, there's definitely an edge to be had there. Um, I project offensive props. I generally look at them in terms of like, you know, thinking about potential bets, but, uh, you know, obviously my work related project stuff keeps me busy. 
um, and the time that I am kind of dedicating to like diving into, uh, you know, what what prop value is there that that I want to bet into. I'm always kind of starting with with the pitching market. There's yeah. you know, obviously, like you said, less variance, but um, it's just like I think it's a slightly softer prop market right now, at least um, in my too. experience and and with the the data that I use. Um, I'm sure it seems like it's catching up slowly, but still still certainly finding um, things that that I'm I'm interested in betting with in terms when it, t- it comes to outs. I'm I would say I'm probably 90% outs and 10% strikeouts. I'm kind of trying yeah. to like make that a little bit more even. Um, outs props, if that's the only thing you're betting on a sports book, they're, they're going to cut you pretty quick. <laughs> they're li- uh, I'm living pretty hard right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, that's one thing I need to get better about is is just keeping accounts open. Because um, yeah. I've gotten to a point where like, not even necessarily intentionally, but some books where I'm like finding a lot of value on outs props and just kind of forgetting to bet other stuff there. And Yeah, because um, it's just that, like- that they- yeah, they just like lock you in and they're just like, oh, well, like this guy, like this guy's betting outs. Like the, the, his first bet is risk free. Thousand dollar bet was on somebody to go under 18 and a half outs. Like yep. they're like, we're limited the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, right, rightfully so. If, if that's the only market you're betting into, I think they know like this, this guy's got something here. I mean, it might not be much, but it's it's not really, uh, I don't think we want his money as much as we want somebody, somebody else's play, money. Same game parlay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's definitely a hundred percent true there. Um, I I want to touch on this too because I know I think part of what you're doing too is like when you're looking at the offensive props, right? A lot of it's probably taught looking at it and you're saying like, all right, well, this guy, you know, this guy strikes out thirty percent of the time. So like, how can I apply that to you know the pitcher props that I'm looking at, right? And you know, it's kind of like the balance between the two things to kind of project the game and like how they all kind of mesh together when you see a guy get ruled out, like, let's say, uh, let's say we're talking about like the Yankees and, you know, like a John Carlos Stan gets ruled out or like an Aaron judge, like guys that strike out like a decent amount of the time. Right. When that changes, um, have you been able to like buy into that market fast enough, like in terms of like a pitcher prop, maybe whether it's a strikeout under or a strikeout over, because like it's dramatically changing some of those prop lines, at least the way you're modeling it. And have you found that they, cause I feel like with NBA, right? Like sides move dramatically when a superstar is out. Baseball doesn't really move the same way. So I think I feel like there's a lot more opportunity to get into a market where they don't really adjust properly right away because of like a starting lineup change. Yeah, you're you're 100% on with that. I It's a weird one for me because I, I wish I could take more advantage of it. But when those things happen, like especially, um, you know, it's like a starting lineup comes out, like, you know, the within a couple seconds of that happening, I'm generally kind of moving and, and kind of tied to my computer with work stuff for a few minutes, yeah. which can make it hard to, to actually jump on those numbers. But yeah. if you're vigilant enough to be looking and uh, to, you know, be paying attention to be in front of a screen as lineups come out, you'll definitely have some sort of a window. It might only be a minute, um, but you'll have enough time to where, you know, like, I think you, you kind of gave a good example of a guy like Stan who strikes out a lot, maybe being replaced by, um, you know, uh, instead of a 30% strikeout rate with a guy like Stan, you'll have a guy in the lineup who's got a 15% strikeout rate. It's like, that's obviously going to have an impact on the opposing pitchers, um, projected strikeouts. And it's obviously going to change the line. So it's generally a good way just to try to lock in some closing line value. If if you see somebody that's an everyday player, especially unless there was some sort of a reason to expect that they weren't going to play. It's like they're on the paternity list, something like that. Um, if you can get, get out ahead of that, which you can usually do with a minute or two to spare once, once that lineup actually comes out, definitely some value you've had there. It's, it's hard for me to capture it personally, but, um, it's definitely there. Yeah. I feel like the one day that you can kind of do this a lot of times, right. Is like when you get that like day game after a night game, sometimes on, especially like Sundays, there seem to be like getaway days where you're like, look, this guy, like he might get, it's a road game. Like he might be off. Like he might just get the day off. So I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially on like those days, or like if there's, if the team's going to have a day off afterwards. Right. Or, you know, like when you look at the schedule, baseball is almost an everyday sport. But there are some times where it's like, oh, well, like the team, they didn't really use the bullpen yesterday. Uh, They have a game today. It's Wednesday, Thursday. That's an off day. Maybe this is a good spot to bet a guy's outs under because the bullpen is going to be fresh. Like they're going to let them pitch. They got an off day tomorrow. Yeah, I definitely uh, am like keenly aware when I'm betting an outs prop 
when the last time the team had an off day was, when the next time they have one is, which bullpen arms have been used in the last three days, which haven't, um, how many pitches those guys have thrown. Like those are all things that there might not be a huge difference in when it leads to the actual starter getting pulled. Like, um, you know, generally for the most part, guys who are, um, you know, toward the top of the rotation, if they throw around a hundred pitches, that's generally going to be it. Like there's not many sorts of like situations, the bullpen where a guy's going to be like, yeah, let's go back out there, throw another 20, 25 pitches. Let's get you up to like 120, 125. (laughs) Generally just doesn't happen. Um, But then there is that sort of thing where like the guy lands, maybe he ends the, the sixth inning at like 85 pitches. If they are in a situation where they have a healthy bullpen, um, where they have a day off the next day, um, maybe the guys are right-handers, there's a couple lefties coming up in the lineup. They have a fresh lefty reliever. It's more likely that they're going to go to that guy. So there yeah. is something there for sure. Um, and it's, I feel like kind of, I, I almost, it's hard, it's a hard thing to quantify. Um, but I think I sort of overweight it in my head a little bit. And I, yeah. I, I kind of think I should care less than I do. Yeah. I mean, I think with the outs props, right? Like I think they're fascinating. Like we just lost, I just lost this Cole one um, at 18 and a half. Cause he just had like, he had like 85 pitches to end the sixth inning. Yep. So like, you know, it just is what it is there. But um, those happen. Uh, like I I'm usually willing to like eat the juice on a lot of these props. Um, and I don't, I personally don't like to pair them in parlays with things because I think that you're introducing variants, but I think that there can be some opportunities where you're like, well, like this is hit like every time. And it's like, sometimes you can get some, like, I don't want to call it free juice, but like you can kind of bring like parlay things together to get, you know, like you can do the modeling and do the math to get a good number. But do you like, when you see a a number with like a lot of juice, like, do you, just automatically you're just like, ah, like I'm not going to play that. Or does it really, does it really matter to you at all? If you still are finding value on whatever the prop is based on your projections and based on your modeling. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I think a lot of the people that like watch my action network uh, account at all are probably like, man, this guy, like he's willing to drink a lot of juice. I've gotten messages from from people on Twitter. Like, I don't know if that's going to be like a winning strategy. Like you're you're paying like minus 200 on a lot of these bets. They're going to have to win a lot of them. It's like, I wouldn't be, be, placing that bet if I didn't think the line, you know, if I'm betting a minus 200, I, if I didn't think it should be like 250 or something, then I, I, I'm not betting yeah. it. I, I'm only making that play because I think the line should be longer than it is. Yeah. Um, and we, we talk about it a decent bit, but there, when it comes to pitching outs, the kind of clean natural break in action that happens the fifth and sixth inning, generally, you know, you'll find guys, the general ranges for pitching outs about 15 and a half to 18 and a half. Um, and 15 outs is five innings, 18 is six. And that's kind of a natural break. So a lot of times when I'm laying that juice, it's generally on an under 18 and a half where the guy would need to be efficient enough to be able to pitch into the seventh inning. Um, you know, you, you're placed one with, with Cole tonight that loss, but if he's yeah. at 95 pitches instead of 85 after the sixth inning, he's probably not coming back. Um, maybe a guy like Cole could. Uh, I feel like aces generally, there might be a little bit longer of a leash. Especially in the um, summer, right? Especially <laughs> but, in the summer, yeah. It's but, like... Go ahead. Yeah. I feel like we... we in the beginning of the season, we were playing unders pretty much incessantly. It was like, yeah. I wasn't even considering really outs over. So the most part, it would have had to be something, um, you know, I was, I was well uh, just showing a lot of value on because generally pitchers aren't stretched out early in the year. They're going to be a little bit cautious when it comes to the pitch counts. You're not seeing too many guys up in the, like getting into the hundreds. Um, but this time of year, it'll maybe go into like, uh, a, you know, into the month of August for sure. Um, and, and deeper for some teams, depending on what they're playing for. Um, but we'll get to a point again. It's I think one of my favorite times of the year to bet baseball is like the last week, last two weeks of the regular season where like there'll be some teams kind of preparing for the playoffs might just want to get their starter out there. Yeah. Throw five innings, throw 75 pitches, just stay fresh. Don't get hurt. Um, and you know, a lot of times they'll be able to catch books napping on thinking it's going to be kind of a regular outing when, when it's not. Yeah. Um, I think so that makes a lot of sense because, and I think what, what you're kind of getting at too is right with like strikeouts. I always think strikeouts are interesting because strikeouts to me are like the, not, I don't want to call it casual, but they're like the, the prop that like an average better is like, I want to bet on strikeouts. Like I, like it's exciting. It's fun. Um, it's like a way to bet on pitchers. Right. The one thing that I think about with strikeouts is 
strikeouts for some players are like, that's like a winning formula. Right. And that's something that I always like to think about when I'm betting is like, how do I think like this guy is going to perform? Like what, like what's the situation here? That's like a winning formula. Right. So I do it a little bit more with base or with basketball rather, where I'm like, well, this guy's like a rebounder. Like when this team wins, or like when they do this, like they get, the guy gets a lot of boards. Like I want to bet on his rebounds with pitching. I always think it's fascinating because you don't have to strike guys out to win. Right. So like, it's kind of one of those props where you have a finite number of opportunities to get them. Right. Because it's like, you only have certain amount of pitches, certain amount of batters. And like, honestly, depending on the team, there's only a certain amount of targets on the team that you should really be expecting strikeouts from. So you even narrow it down even more. Whereas with outs, I think it's interesting because it's, it's directly tied to winning and like performance and you know, like how, like if a guy, if a starting pitcher goes longer into a game, it probably means that like a team's going to win or, 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 you know, like they're going to use there, he's pitching in a particular way. Do you take any of that stuff into consideration where you're like, well, I don't think this guy needs to strike this lineup out, but that means that maybe he'll pitch longer into a game or vice versa. A little bit, not for the most part. I, I do think, especially what you said at the end, kind of hold some weight. Like, um, you know, especially when I'm kind of thinking about uh, outs props, even like if a guy strikes, uh, I think Spencer Strider is a great example. A guy thrown today. Yeah. He uh, he strikes a lot of guys out. His whiff rate is absolutely absurd. I, I think it's gotten a little bit lower. Oh, I think his a last touch. start it came down yeah. a little bit, but yeah, just an astronomical number. Um, and he's also like around an eight to nine percent walk rate which when you kind of add all those things together and, and take also take, I mean, he's throwing pitches that are getting put in play foul balls. Um, it's just hard for him to be efficient enough to throw deep into a game when you're missing that many bats. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always necessarily, you know, if, guy, if you're striking a lot of guys out, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a short outing sometimes, you know, get crush. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think with certain guys, it, it matters more. Um, like in terms of just kind of trying to consider, like, are they going to miss a lot of bats? Um, obviously, if you record a strikeout, you're f- there's no fewer than three pitches that can occur in that at bat. If you get an, an out, um, you know, that a ground out line or whatever it is, it could happen on the first first pitch. Obviously, you could strike out in three pitches. You could line out in a 10 pitch at bat. So it doesn't necessarily mean a ton, but um, I think over the long haul, if you're you're striking out a lot of guys and you're putting guys on base via the walk, it's going to be hard to keep um, your pitch count down enough to be efficient to throw like into the seventh inning. Yeah. And that's like one of the things that I think is fascinating because one of the new popular things like going on right now is uh, like strikeout ladders. Right. And you see a lot of like alt lines where it's like this guy to strike out 10. You're like, that doesn't seem like that complicated. Right. Like, but if you, if you really factor into the, into consideration, the fact that that's, if you strike out 10 guys, it's a minimum 30 pitches. You're not going to strike out 10 guys in a row. Like how many batters are you actually seeing? And then like, can you strike out that many while like, you're not going to strike everybody out on like a three pitch count. So I think it's always fascinating because it's like, it gets further and further away. And I think it's in a way it's like sort of exponential, like not, not directly, but it gets like much, much more difficult. Whereas like one more strikeout, it's like, okay. But like, if you're saying this guy, his line is five and then you're looking at him to get 10. It's like, that's a, it's not just double it's it's, you have to change your analysis. And when you're looking at that, it's like, I get that they're projected at five or like their, their number is at five, but to get to 10 is like dramatically different than to like, it's not just times two. Yeah. And it, it can differ, honestly, depending on the pitcher you're talking about. Like there can be some guys who just like, it's, I, I, I hate to say this kind of stuff, like just kind of generalizing like how, <laughs> how a pitcher looks. Um, but there'll be sometimes where like certain guys, like I think Scherzer has been a pretty decent example this year where like, you know, last yeah. night he looked awesome. He wasn't missing a ton of bats. I don't think he had, he had like five strikeouts, um, but was kind of lights out. And then he's had other times where when he struggles, it's generally kind of evident, like just from watching him in, in the first inning or two, like, oh, he just doesn't, he doesn't have it. Um, might not be getting the same sort of spin on, on certain pitches. He might not, might be missing his spots by a little bit. Maybe his ball's coming out of his hands a t- tiny bit early, tiny bit late. Um, so, yeah, I think those things like, you know, you, you don't always know what version of, of players you're going to see. Um, 
and and sometimes it can take like you might want to see a guy for an inning or two and you're like oh like i just don't i don't oh. think he has it like, he doesn't have that strikeout but like you know the the, the strikeout pitch is just not not working he's not okay. getting such sort of velocity not getting the sort of break that he usually has on yeah i and i mean i think that that's important though like when you are betting on props like that, right? Like it's it's one of those things like people like they're like, oh, I'm gonna add this guy to my list. Like I'm not betting on this guy again. Like I get burned too many times. But like if you like how do you feel about that number one? And then number two, it's like when you use projections, you know that that's gonna happen. Like it can happen. Like it just yeah. you know it's like it's one out of like a thousand times, but like maybe it just just because it happened two times in a row doesn't mean it's gonna happen the third time. Yeah, absolutely not. I think like it's one thing that uh like the, it's tough for the human brain to like, you know, so if you're not using any kind of a, a system to like derive a number, if you're just kind of picking one out of your head. It's easy to like kind of just, you know, land on it just to be biased based on a lot of different things. I think projections are generally good at like removing some of that and then adding, you know, context that might, that you might not necessarily like see on the surface. Like one thing I always like, like to think about and, and something that we take into account for our projections is like, not every, not every home run is the same. Like if you're, if a guy hits a, you know, if you hit a home run off uh, Clayton Kershaw in like 50 degree weather uh, in a pitcher friendly park, that's not the same thing as hitting a home run off of, um, you know, Johan Oviedo during the day yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in Wrigley, like when the wind's blowing out 25 miles an hour, like it's just yeah. not the same. Those aren't the same thing. So I think, um, like any good, I think projection system generally like is able to kind of capture at least a lot of that context. Not everything is something that you can quantify or have numerical data for. Um, but I think there's a lot of like context that projections can capture that it's just more or less impossible to try to capture on your own, like just doing equations in your head. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, it kind of goes into the whole like buy low, sell high type of idea. Right. So it's like, especially in the, the NBA playoffs, I think are fascinating because I just want to, I have some questions about this that like I thought are interesting, right? Like with modeling for a playoff series, I always think that that's so interesting because in theory, it's the same matchup, but it's hard. Cause like we, we talked about this during the playoffs and it was like, well, whose minutes come out? Like, where does this guy go? Like, how does this affect it? does modeling in the playoffs has to present like a dramatically different challenge than during the regular season, just because you don't know what adjustments the coaches are going to be making. Right. I, I find it to be a lot tougher, even though the, like you said, the matchup is the same. It, it is, but it isn't like when, you know, a, a team, a team gets blown out in, in a game one, like they're not generally going to do the same thing. Um, you know, like the general rotation might be the same uh, or similar enough. But um, yeah, in the regular season, like it's just you, you kind of are just re, re, you're expecting the norm more or less. Yeah. Like in the playoff series, you're kind of like always like, you know, thinking like what what adjustment could they make off this thing that didn't work? That, you know, they didn't have success with this. Like, does that mean this guy plays more than this guy um, during the regular season? There's not as much of that. I still do think um, I t- it's I think it's important to take into account <clears throat> during the regular season, like matchup. Yeah, how a particular team um, might attack, uh, you know, the the other five Match guys up, on the floor, yeah. right? Like that 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 can differ. I think um, people underestimate that a little bit in the regular season. I think there are some teams that are just just kind of just play it out yeah. during the regular season. They're not really adjusting too much. Um, I think there are other teams that that do do more of that. Um, yeah, the playoffs is like, I think that's the time I'm from a personal betting perspective willing to go against my own numbers. Um, I just think it's really, it's just re- it's for, for me in, in particular, it's really tough to get to a point where I'm like super confident. And if I'm showing a lot of value in particular prop, I, I'm almost like certain that like, <laughs> there's something I'm not seeing here and not quantifying. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know if, if you follow me on action or you probably notice I didn't bet a whole lot of props during the no. post. It's just a scary time for me. Generally, I, I generally try to, um, I'm, you know, obviously a diving into MLB during that time, which cheats up a good bit of time as well. But I feel like the, the edges in the, in the playoffs, especially the deeper we get, just really tend to 
um, to dry up a lot lower. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're uh, just to go back to baseball now, like when you're looking at this, um, I know you mentioned like we're recording around like nine o'clock PM Eastern time right now. Uh, did you get an opportunity to look at Wednesday at all? Like any game or, or any game that you're looking at here? I have and no, I, I generally, it's a little bit too early. Um, I can't really push anything forward, especially until like, I don't think we've had the, uh, Dodge, I think the Dodgers games on last one. No, night. it didn't even start yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I generally, that's like the absolute earliest I can try to push things forward. Um, I'll take a quick look though. I mean, with me and you, we're always kind of keeping a quick out or an yeah, eye we're out keeping an eye on like who's, who's playing, who's not. Cause like, I know one of the spots that I've been looking at in particular, right. Has been, um, when we look at, when we look at some of these out spots, right. Or like, it's usually like some of the better pitchers too. like Nola, we've been getting a lot of 18 and a halfs or, um, you know, a guy like, like, Otani's interesting, I think, right? Like Otani's an 18 and a half guy sometimes, but then he doesn't really get there. Um, and I think that a lot of times when you get these like superstar players, especially like Otani, right? When you're looking at him, um, that's definitely a spot to, for tomorrow, today's slate, when this like comes out for Wednesday slate, I'm going to be looking to bet under 18 and a half outs as long as it's out there. Um, because, and I know that that's a spot you've been targeting as well. He just doesn't hit it. You know, he just, they're looking at him. And I think with some of these better players, they're like, especially Otani. And he's such a unique player because it's like you, if he gets hurt, you probably lose, like you're, you're losing your best pitcher and right now your best hitter. So I feel like, yeah, right. Although they are winning, like their, their record's actually pretty good this year. I was a little surprised. Um, But when you're looking at those things, like, are there certain spots like that you, you kind of go into a slate and you're just like, I don't have a number for this yet, but like I, you know, or, you know, there's not a prop listed for this yet, but you're like, I'm like, I'm going to be hawking for this line. Cause I'm like, my model shows whatever. And then, you know, if you see a big discrepancy, you're just like, I'm firing right now. Or do you, and like, I, sometimes I like to usually bet like a flat bet uh, in terms of my betting. So like, I bet like a unit, it doesn't matter what the juice is are you like a flat better or are you, you know, betting to win basically? Uh, my, my betting size will vary depending on my edge to a degree. Um, and it also differs a little bit depending on the sport. I'm generally a little lighter on the MLB side um, than I am with NBA. Fair um, enough. But yeah, like um, at least, so I'm just taking a quick look at this, this slate for tomorrow. We're going to have a boatload of, of 18 and a half. I think we have. Yeah, I think so too. Mola Castillo, um, you already touched on Otani. I, I believe Darvish is on the hill. I'm not Darvish will get it. Yeah, he's starting pitchers. McCullough's on the road against the Nationals. Just given that matchup, I would imagine he's probably 18 and a half. Um, Gallon, Gallon is maybe possible. Yeah. yeah, so this is a great 18 and a half spot. That's generally is like for whatever reason uh, the spot right now where I'm just seeing the most value. Um, it's pretty rare that I have more than a guy or two projected for more than six innings pitched. Yeah. Um, and, and generally like, I mean, it, it, it's sad now that I, I feel like our time with Spencer Strider has come and gone. Uh, he's been <laughs> too inefficient for too long now that I don't think, but, but in terms of, I think you were asking like, if I'm like kind of hawking anything, um, there's a handful of guys. Some of it's kind of gotten to a point where there's really not as much value there now. Um, Strider was a big one. He's probably, I think the number one guy that like any single time I found an 18 and a half, it could have been priced at 300. If that was the only thing that that was out there, I would have played it. Um, Joe Ryan's another guy that, that me and you, another good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we generally tend, tend to be a fan of generally just, uh, Strider is a guy that'll be in that hundred pitch range pretty much all the time, but Joe Ryan generally a little bit lighter than that. Generally like the, the low to mid nineties, uh, which even that small difference can help. He doesn't walk many guys, which um, doesn't help our case. Uh, when you're like the, the things that I'm generally looking for the most when it comes to an under, t- under 18 and a half is like, does the guy strike a lot of guys out that, that helps. Um, you know, I, I'd rather the guys get on base and strike out, but, uh, strikeouts generally lead to longer at bats. And then does the, does the guy walk, um, enough people to where I think it, it could get the, the efficiency to a point where he's not, not coming back for that seventh. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of good spots. So guys, like, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, keep an eye on the action app. Like we'll be logging some of these out unders realistically, uh, you know, the baseball slate is interesting. I always struggle. Like, like I said before, like I like to focus on things that I know. And I think that that's important too, when you're betting just generally, right. Is like looking at certain things and like looking at certain markets, like you don't need to be an expert in every market. And I think that that's one of the things that people struggle with the most is like, you know, you see, people doing like one thing on Twitter. There's like, Oh, like this, like I'm betting a lot of home runs and then somebody else is betting hits, runs, RBI. Somebody else is betting bases. Somebody else is doing this. It's like, there's, there's so many different markets. Like you just literally don't need to be an expert in all of them. You know, like it's one thing when you see me like betting like a lot of different NBA markets, but like I do that. Like, that's just, that's like my thing. Like I'm good at, like, I'm good at a lot of those things. Whereas with baseball, it's like, I struggle to digest a lot of the information. It's not as, to me, it's, I don't have as much fun with it. So I think that that's always important too. Whereas like, I'm like, I can look at this many pictures and look at some of the information and I can digest it in maybe like 30 minutes and decide like what I want to do. Whereas some of the others, like some of the other props, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Like, what's this, what's that? Um, and I think that that's kind of one of the important things. So like, would you say that outs is your favorite thing to bet right now, just based on your comfortability with it? Or is it just something that you're just like, I crush this. Like, I, I, I like to bet it. It's a combination of the two. I think it's obviously this thing, the thing that according to my numbers, I see the most value with. Um, but it is like, I mean, you know, not that this matters at all, but I think just from a, a sweat equity perspective, if if that makes any sense, like I, I enjoy watching I strikeout props are my least favorite thing in the world. Just really? I, hate it. I feel like every time I, I have an over on strikeouts, just something in my head where like, I, I'm just expecting bad things to happen. And when I'm, yeah. when I'm on an under, I'm just like, this, this guy's going to flail with this pitch, like six, six feet outside the zone. Um, but yeah, I think I, I like the sweat equity of it for it. Not that I'm a big sweater as it is. I don't generally like watch um, a ton of the games in real time. I don't want like tracking stats generally throughout the night. Um, but yeah, I'd say for baseball, that's it's by far my my most profitable, my my favorite market to bet into. I also have some, um, I would say a, a middling degree of success so far this season. Uh, it's been worse this year than, than it was last year. But with walk props, they're another thing that's not very popular, probably even less so than outs. Um, yeah. The main places that I see them are, are Caesars and DraftKings, at least in my market. I don't think FanDuel offers it. Neither rivers has them. them or rivers uh, no rivers is have three six five has them but nobody has yeah. three six five so uh, yeah I, I can't wait tennessee it's coming soon um but yeah there, that's another thing that that i generally like that but i'm i'm grinding what i believe to be very small edges there where the edges for the outs is a little bit bigger for me but um, yeah again uh, i feel like i i should note this more than once we already kind of touched on it but if you are following me or joe and uh like I would say if you're following our outs props, make sure you're mixing some other stuff in. Um, it's a yeah. real quick way to get your account cut with, with nothing but but you know pitching props. This like try to mix some other things in there if you're interested in uh, keeping the account open. I'm not sure that limiting is necessarily like the a bad outcome for the large majority of betters. I think that's generally better than most will can hope for. Yeah, um, <laughs> most lose. Um, but it's not generally a great outcome either. So. I feel like I, I've I've had some people reach out that have, have had that issue, and it's like I don't really know exactly what the best way to handle that is. Like I, I'm, you know, my, my main goal is to get out picks that are are good, um, but yeah, there there's definitely like a sports betting is like somewhat of an art in the sense that like you can get to a point where like making the good bets isn't necessarily the hard part. It's like being able to get the money down that, that yeah, keep the like account the, open. Yeah. The struggle. yeah. So um, that's one thing that I uh, I'm learning kind of the hard way um, that I need to improve. And so, yeah, if this can help anybody else, um, yeah, mix some, mix some different things in. Don't, mix, some, don't, mix a couple home runs in there every so often. I, you had touched on this earlier and I actually, I want to do um I wanted to touch on it, but you had mentioned, I, I forget where this came up, but you were talking about like kind of uh, parlaying different sort of props together. Outs I think props, saying, yeah. Yeah, like I think obviously the general sentiment around parlays is that they're- uh, Negative even, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily the case. If you are parlaying two things together that have value, um, you, it's, you're actually a little bit better off doing that than you would be betting straight. Yeah. Um, a book like Caesars uh, is a place where I feel like you can 
kind of have correlated prop parlays. Yeah, they, they're builders like weird. Like you can yeah. you can generally get a lot better value on their same game parlay thing for whatever reason. Like if especially if you're bidding the baseline prop because you don't get alts there really. But like if you're betting somebody's like strikeouts and the money line in like one of those PPDs, like you can a lot of times get much better value on Caesars if you're betting the regular line and the money line as opposed to like if somebody's six and a half instead of betting the six plus somewhere and the money line somewhere else. If you bet the six and a half there with the money line, you're getting some pretty nice value. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just in general, like that's, you know, if like, like, yeah, I forget what exactly what bet it is, but there was something I was doing. I can't even remember if it was for, for baseball or for basketball, but there was like a um, kind of a two leg player prop, like parlay that I was doing where like it correlated. I, I can't, I can't believe I can't remember what it is. Um, but that's just just generally like a you know a decent way that if you're trying to kind of fly under the radar a little bit with, with some of these outs props like not wanting to get your account limited, you can try to parlay them together with with some other things that that you think are, are plus EV or even if it's kind of you know at a break even point maybe it, it it's worth it to try to yeah um, it, it's account alive a little longer. yeah it's definitely one of those weird things where you're like I don't want to bet this like it doesn't like fit my normal model of betting, but like, I think that it's something that's important. So like for me personally, like I reduce my unit size for baseball because like, it's just a sport that I think I have less of an edge in, but then also like, I just care about less. Um, and I'm not putting out like real content for it besides like this or like in the action app, like stuff like that. Whereas with basketball, I'm like my unit size increases. I think I have a more, much more significant edge. So I'm like, I'm willing to burn this account. Like if I'm ripping it right now, like on basketball stuff but like i'm not really willing to do that on like outs props you know no, um but for yeah. me that's a personal thing yeah i mean i think it's it's the right approach it's yeah it's um you know you need to figure out kind of like i mean obviously it depends on kind of what your goals are if you're you know just trying to kind of hope to make a few bucks um tailing bets maybe the yeah. worst thing to, to, to have your have your account limited um and again, like I said, it's, it's probably not an issue for the majority of betters, but um, yeah, it's certainly not fun when, when, when you go to try to place a bet and they're like, yeah, you can get seven bucks on this and you're, you're trying to get down like 200. It's like, oh man, like this. Yeah. You know, there's, it, it there's down. nothing better when I get like a uh, profit boost and it's like, or, you know, like an odds boost, like a special and it's like max bet $25. And it's like, well, you can get $7 down. <laughs> Yeah. Like having free bets, like they'll give you a free bet, like right before they limit your account. Like I can't even use this on anything. Yeah. I just had that happen to me uh, on the draft. I was trying to bet um, Anthony Black number nine to the jazz. So that's a little, that's a little, uh, you know, it's a little little Easter egg for you at the end of this podcast. Uh, And it was like plus 350 or something like that. And I had a $25 free bet at Rivers and they were like, your max is $17. And I was like, come on. Like, it was like, you gave me this free bet, man. Like, what do you yeah. want me to do? No, it's, yeah, I feel like it, with the, the free bets, especially if you're, you, if you're giving it to me, let me, let me put it down on something. Don't like make it like a headache to, to even, even do that. But yeah, um, yeah, it is, it is what it is. But I do want to, I'm going to pivot us to, uh, I, I think I mentioned it to you before and, you know, you've listened to the pod before, uh, pod before as well, but it is time for pods and recs here. So we're without producer Corey, producer Corey is basically submerged in that submarine that is going to visit the Titanic right now. Um, so we're, we're running out of opportunities to hear from producer Corey right now, but uh, <laughs> no, he's actually at a storage unit. Um, so, but I, you know, so this is pods and recs. So you can recommend anything to the listeners, whatever it is that you want. Um, whether it's a food, whether it's a thing to do, uh, an activity, uh, a website, like whatever you want, this is our food. Like this is your opportunity to recommend something to the listeners in your own words. If you want me to go first, I will. Um, if you no, need, to I got to something. I okay, All right. I got two. I got two things. That's okay. So um, go for as it. As you were kind of talking, I, I some more ideas started to pop in my head. So I'm I'm ashamed I didn't think about this enough beforehand to just come up with one, but. Um, first off, just in case anybody is like curious where my projections are at, it's Rotogrinders and Scores and Odds. Um, Scores and Odds, I think, is an is an awesome website. Based, there's um, we have a a page there that um, I think is incredibly easy to use and, and that I use every day. It's basically like a, a prop page where you can sort props in each category based on our biggest edges, um, you know, in that prop category. So it just kind of makes it super easy to consume um, the projections there for NBA and, and for MLB for any sport they're updated as quickly as possible um, and 
you know, we were kind of slaving over them seven days a week. So I don't think building a projections model is generally a good use of, of anyone's time, uh, especially if you're not like a, a you know casual gambler. Yeah. Far better off paying a small subscription fee to uh, to get projections that that you know are, are good. Um, so that's my plug there. I think there's we're doing a lot of things at, at Scores and Odds that, that I really like. It's part of the RG network. I'm not terribly involved in the day to day stuff that goes on at Scores and Odds. I'm I'm kind of mainly on the the Roto Grinders side still. But the projections that we host at Roto Grinders are also hosted at Scores and Odds. So you can can find those there for uh, like from a sports betting perspective. The other thing. Uh, I'm not even sure necessarily what to call it. It's a vacuum cleaner, I guess. But um, so I, I have a girlfriend, but I don't live with my girlfriend. So okay. I'm kind of on more or less on my own. Obviously, I think guys were generally not known for our like, you know, cleanliness. Cleanliness in my house <laughs> one thing that uh, I've gotten in the last year that I think has like changed my life in so many ways is a automatic vacuum cleaner like thing just kind of rides around like your the, apartment the irobot thing they like the, I, I, I forget what ours is called um what is it roomba like a roomba it's exactly yeah that's, i have that's, one that's they're awesome one. they're kind of the, the best i think like so mine ran yesterday and uh i can still see them here now it probably will fade in a, a day or two but the the lines that it leaves in the carpet in my room is some of the most appealing stuff like things that my eyes can look at like i feel like i i I just feel better when I see those clean, you know, it's almost like a Zamboni in the ice. Like you see like, yeah, it's Zamboni or like the, the, the lines in an outfield. Yeah. It's like, this is how it's supposed to look like. It looks like someone took care of this. Um, and I think, you know, hardwood floor, it gets like little crumbs up. Like, you know, I was, I, I eat dinner in my kitchen. I'll drop a crumb here and there. Am I picking every single crumb up that I drop? No. Would I like to? Yes, but I, I don't. <laughs> and so the vacuum obviously grabs those kind of things. Um, just keeps the, the apartment clean. I feel like it also extends it further extends into my cleanliness and the fact that like when I see the carpet nice, see the nice lines on the carpet, if I see the sink a little bit dirty, I'm more likely to clean that because it just kind of jives better with the, the whole look of the apartment. So it fits the vibe. you don't have to live like a slob, get one of these vacuum cleaners. I think ours is like 150 bucks, not cheap. It's like takes like, you know, we have to clean it like once every three or four times it runs, like maybe even less often than that. Um, so yeah, invest in one. If I ever helped you win a bet, throw a couple of those dollars down on one of those things, um, and I don't think you'll regret it. It's like one and a half units for the juice, so like you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Lay it, up, lay it up. But uh, my recommendation is, I just actually got uh, I got a pair of Hey Dudes, which are they're like slide on, like sho- they're like kind of like a sh- they're like a shoe, right? So they have like laces, but they're just like, a like croc? A, what? Like a croc? kind of but they look they look a lot better i don't have them in here but um they're they're like 60 bucks um so it's like a slide on summer shoe so it's a canvas shoe um i think they have waterproof ones so that's like a thing too but i didn't get that um but they're like a canvas shoe they're very light they slide right on i was uh i was like a big sperry's guy when i was in college because like obviously. So like I wore them just everywhere. And this is kind of like that, except they're way lighter. They're not leather. So I'm hoping that they like will not, they won't get, they won't just smell like by the end of the summer, but either way, they're very comfortable, very light. I think they're going to be a great airport shoe actually, because they're slide on and off pretty easily. Um, I think, I think you could wear them with socks if you really wanted to. I don't, I just wear them, you know, I'm just raw dogging them. I'm just wearing no socks on them. So I think, you could go either way, but a uh, very light shoe. I think it's a nice, like kicking around shoe. If you got to walk the dog, if you're going to the store real quick, you're going to the beach, like don't wear shoes on the beach. But you know, if you're, if you need to do some of those things like quick errands, I think it's a nice little shoe. Uh, that's, it's pretty light and they have like a nice rubber bottom. So it's better for my feet. Whereas the Sperry's just had that, you know, it's just like that little strip of rubber and you're just like, this is just painful. So I think that, I think that the Hey dudes are a pretty good, they're a pretty good buy right there. And I enjoy them so far i've had them for about a week we're looking at a pretty good um color selection yeah there was a good color selection i got like a nice little like tan kind of beigey color so good for summer i don't think i feel like they wouldn't have the best like traction in the winter so wouldn't recommend there uh but i do they do have a lot of colors they have some fancy colors they had like star spangled banner ones they had some camo ones if you wanted to get funky but they also just had you know your generic colors whether it's white uh beige whatever uh my fiance got a pair of white ones as well so they they kind of go they're they're gender neutral so you know they're uh, they're very progressive here 
Listen, I like it. I'm so curious when, uh, back in your Sperry days, like what was your, what, what color Sperry was like your go-to? I feel uh, like I had like, I always had a tan pair, like a kind of a, a light, light tan. And then I don't, I had the, I don't know if I remember these, but they had like the white bottom with the blue, like blue body kind of. Oh, okay. I know the one you, yeah. I, so I had, I would, I had, a, I was a multi Sperry guy. So I had the, that like, uh, it's more like the oak color one. I don't remember what how to describe it other than that. So I would have that one. I would have the dark brown. Um, I had the dark brown as well. And then I would have, I had one pair of light blue Sperry's. So um, just always had to try to match them. You know, I always felt like the, the Browns went better if I was ever wearing like salmon pants or something like that. So it was just, a, it was a very, college was definitely a different uh, outfitting time for me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, trying to look back, I'm mortified at some of the clothing selections I made during that time in my life. Hey, it is what it is. But uh, look, you, for all of you listeners out there, get yourself a vacuum, get yourself a Roto Grinder subscription. Uh, you can find uh, Steven at uh, at Steph Byron Keach. Is that, am I saying that right? Nailed it. All right, Steph Byron Keach on Twitter and same, uh, pretty much same thing in the Action Network app. Uh, would highly recommend following him. He's great, better, uh, great follow on Twitter. And, you know, take some of those units that you win, like we said, buy, buy that Roomba, buy that vacuum, get yourself a pair of Hey Dudes, and let's cash that. Thanks, man. Thank you.